Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. A lot of people think you need a car to enjoy SiriusXM, but you don't. You can listen outside the car. Right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for free. Just go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. You can listen on your phone, at home, and online. That's SiriusXM.com slash busted. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, the innovator of violence, the landlord of the House of Hardcore, Tommy Dreamer and I, after yesterday, Hulk Hogan's birthday, we talk about him, we talk about his influence, you know, the last few years when things came crashing down, but also his greatest matches and moments, and we share that with the Busted Open Nation. We talk everything Hulk Hogan, plus we have for a very first time on Busted Open, Sean Spears of AEW joins us in a great, and I mean great, 30-minute interview. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Yesterday was Hulk Hogan's birthday. Hulk Hogan celebrating a birthday. And I thought that you and I, Tommy, could talk about Hogan because there's so many layers to Hulk Hogan. Greatest moments, greatest matches, and then also about the controversy that has surrounded him for over the last decade. So, you know, I thought that would be a great topic for the Busted Open Nation and sharing since it was his birthday yesterday. Greatest Hogan moments, greatest Hogan matches. And of course, because of all the controversy around Hulk Hogan the last few years, has it completely changed your mindset, your attitude, and your perception of one of the greatest of all time? All right, so I got to throw out my laminated list or put a thumb, what do you say, stick a pin in it? Well, stick a pin in it as if like you have an idea that you're going to hold for a later time. That's sticking a pin in it. Oh. Unless you have like like a doll, like a voodoo doll, sticking a pin in it means like, all right, I got an idea, but I'm going to stick a pin in it. We'll get to it later. So I got to stick a like a thumbtack in my head because that's where this list comes from. So I got to do that. I'll do that on the air. We got Zoom. I got to find a thumbtack in my house. I'll do the whole show with a thumbtack in my head. Who cares? I got another head. Um, okay, Hulk Hogan stuff. Awesome. I'll put that in my next tweet. I'll tweet that shit. <laughs> all right, so Hogan. So, all right, so greatest matches, greatest moments. First of all, I'll say this when it comes to Hulk Hogan. Uh, anybody that's listened to this show for the last 11 years, I grew up, I was not a Hogan fan. 
when I grew up. I was a Flair guy, so I was not a Hogan guy, you know. Dusty Rhodes in his book called him Yellow Finger because, you know, back in the heyday of Hulk Hogan, they had those foam yellow fingers that they would say, like, Hogan number one, the yellow finger. So Dusty Rhodes used to call him Yellow Finger, and I do too. I used to call him Yellow Finger because of those foam fingers that they used to sell for Hulk Hogan. But there is no denying how big Hulkamania was, Tommy. And I'll say this a million times as well. If it wasn't for Hulkamania, there would be no WrestleMania. You know, Hulkamania was the driving force of Vince McMahon taking the WWF national and, of course, taking that Hulkamania WrestleMania show that was the first one at Madison Square Garden to the heights that we still see now because the next WrestleMania is going to be WrestleMania 37. So I think you would agree with me, Tommy, being the same age as I, that there was nothing bigger in the 80s and you could even say in the 90s than Hulk Hogan. It's so funny you talk about this because uh, last week when I was at my summer home in uh, Hyannisport, the I'm walking the beach with my daughters and someone was playing Eye of the Tiger and I turned to Beulah and was like, you have no clue what it felt like to be in a building when Eye of the Tiger hit when Hulk Hogan came out to that music. And I have I have been in, you know, I've been in arenas where the rocks music hit. I've been in the re, I've been in the ring when Steve Austin's hit and the, the building shook. And it was probably the loudest I've ever heard as a performer. But when Hulk Hogan's entrance would hit, it was, as Gorilla Monsoon would say, you can cut the electricity with the knife and the building would shake to the rafters. It was nothing like it. Yeah. And, and listen, and this is going to probably cause a little controversy on the show. And I've said this before, too, not with you, Tommy, but, you know, there's a new audience, a bigger audience, and I want to get their take. 877-344-4893, 877-FIGHT-93. If you live through Hulkamania, what are you doing? What? Nothing. I live through Hulkamania. If you, because you, you look like you're about to eat breakfast. I am hungry. I'm having Apple Jacks, but I wanted to, I've lost all my power, David. And I wanted to make sure, I don't know how old any of this food is left over in my house. And I was making sure it wasn't like, I thought first there was a bug in there. And then I thought it was moldy. Interesting. I'll try it. A little penicillin cures everything. <laughs> oh my God. Ay, ay, ay. All right. So don't call me out on the air for eating all these people. Gabby's giffing me. I'm yeah. spitting out all over the place. First of all, Apple Jacks do not spoil. I mean, yeah, Apple, well, they're as like, stale as can be. Cause that's like saying a Twinkie is, 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 uh, you know, gone past an expiration date. There is no expiration date on a Twinkie. There's no expiration date. You were on making a great topic. And then you got, for some reason, taken off. I'm going to put myself off of the zoom link. I'll just make myself mute. I'll be like, uh, I'll put like boy howdy up there or something stupid. Tommy. What? Let me say this, and then we'll get back into Hogan in just a second. You get upset with me when I call you out for eating. All right, there was two videos released from our shows last week, okay? Yeah. All right, and I was, like, very animated. I was yelling and screaming. One where there's actual spit flying out of my mouth and went on the camera, and it was disgusting. Mm -hmm. And during those videos, the one video you're eating watermelon, 
Yeah. And then the second video, you're eating I, I, ice cream. Maybe it was ice cream or yogurt. I don't know yogurt. which one it is. So, like, I'm screaming into the camera. My face is in the camera screaming. And you're you're eating. You I'm know, hungry. Like so thousands. Don't know. They don't know until you stop like this. Let Tommy, me do things. It was on video. Over over 20,000 people saw those videos of you eating while I was yelling and screaming into the camera. So you say on the show, why do you call me out? You call yourself out. The videos are put on social media. The show's not airing live to the people. It airs after it. So let them acknowledge it later. Like, I guess they do. Gabby likes to make these. I'm like a gift machine for her. She's like, oh, look at Tammy eating. (laughs) Hey, hey, hey. I get nauseous if I don't eat. I have a disease. I have low blood sugar, David. It's a real thing. I could pass out on the air. How about that? Now I make you feel bad. Unless something has changed during this pandemic era, and a lot's changed. As far as I know, a day is 24 hours long, okay? Mm -hmm. This show is three hours. So you have 21 hours in which to eat. 21 hours, Tommy. Yeah, but like I wake up, Gabby makes me wake up at like 7.45 for the show. I have to turn on my Zoom thing for no reason. And then I have to, like, I got to have my my thing gets all messed up. It's, I'm, I got a system. Oh, I got a system. All right. Well, well, let me get back to the point. Let me get back to the point of Hogan. My point was that I don't think there's any ever been a bigger star than Hulk Hogan. Listen. I, I, I've been a wrestling fan for over 40 years, okay? If I went to the Meadowlands and Stone Cold, and I love Stone Cold Steve Austin. Please do not take this the wrong way. But when I would go to the Meadowlands to see Stone Cold Steve Austin, the arena would be sold out. If the next time I went there, Stone Cold wasn't on the card, Rock was on the card, it would be sold out. If In the 80s, if Hogan was on the card, 20,000 people at the Meadowlands Arena. If Hogan wasn't on the card, it'd be five, 6,000. He, he transcended any other superstar in the history of our sport. I understand there's a lot of controversy. I'm not even saying if the guy's a good guy or a bad guy. I've met him several times to interview him, but I don't know him personally. I'm just speaking as a fan, talking about icons in our sport. I don't think there's a bigger icon. And listen, this is coming from a Flair guy. If you ask me the greatest wrestler of all time, there's no doubt about it. It's Ric Flair. I don't know if there was a bigger star in the history of our sport, Tommy, than Hulk Hogan. Absolutely, man. He was the yellow and the red and the yellow. It was everything. And like you said, at that time, there was no bigger star. He looked he looked the part. He was the part. He was Hulk Hogan 24-7 uh, doing stuff outside of the industry. He was the man. Really was. The experts of MLB Network Radio. Watch how you're landing if you're pitching. You're not in line. So now you're losing power. You're losing strength. Ryan Spielborgs. You're going to have arm side run. You're not going to be as accurate. You're going to lose power. You're going to lose velocity. That's where we're at. It's no longer a field. Now we can actually take data from force plates that can show you you're costing yourself energy. Baseball talk at the next level. MLB Network Radio. Sirius 209, XM 89, and on the Sirius XM app. Man, when you talk about Hulk Hogan, I I think he's the greatest superstar 
in the history of pro wrestling. I was never a fan of Hogan, but it's you cannot deny his popularity and you cannot deny the moments in the matches. You know, being the biggest babyface in the 80s and the biggest heel in the 90s, man, you know, when you talk about the Mount Rushmore, he's on it. When you talk about the, the greatest of all time, top 10, he's on it. When you talk about, like, Vince McMahon going national, he's on it. So, And we're talking about matches and moments. And before we get back to the Busted Open Nation, and the, and the phone lines are flooded when it comes to Hogan. To me, you mentioned it earlier, Tommy. January 23rd, 1984, when Hogan beats the Iron Sheik at Madison Square Garden, the reaction of that garden crowd when he beats the Iron Sheik, I mean, to me, personally, that's the greatest moment in Hogan's career. Absolutely, and we share the same brain in me thinking about it. I wrote it down. Uh, Number three for me would be the NWO. Two would be WrestleMania three, and number one would be the start of Hulkamania uh, against the Iron Sheik when he won that title, it just it literally took off from there, and like that's a defining moment in wrestling. I mean, I have the picture in my head of him grabbing that title, and you know it was just seriously like off to the races, and it was it was just like the business just lit on fire. It's the proverbial throwing the gas, uh, the match on top of the gas, and just watching it take off. Yep. It it it, told, it certainly was, and I, I you know what those those top three moments, Tommy, identical. I have the NWO at three, I have WrestleMania at three at two, and at number one, I have January twenty third, nineteen eighty four. Let's go out to the busted open nation. Let's go out to Paul in Indy. Paul, what do you got on Hogan, my friend? You know, I have to say, for me, Dave, Tommy, thanks for taking the call. Um, He's my greatest. I put Ric Flair in the second. But, I mean, for me, it was Hulk. It was just, like I say, I caught him early on, you know, with the Rocky thing in the early 80s. I'm in my mid to late 40s. And then, like I say, watched him in the AWA and then the, you know, Iron Sheik match. And then it just kind of followed the whole thing. And for me, it was like one of those things that it got. I was such, you know, a fan with it. Like I'd watch it on like Saturday mornings and you know, like my grandpa would call me Saturday night and he's, you know, just talk to me about it. And so there's a lot of special stuff to me because like my family knew how invested I was in the guy. And then as I got older, it was just, you know, same thing. Even when he went NWO, I mean, it was just one of those things. I just kind of always, you know, enjoyed him. You know, I mean, to me, he'll always be my number one. And then, you know, within the last few years, you know, just being able to get 30 seconds with him at his store in Clearwater Beach. You know, I mean, it was just, you know, priceless. You know, I mean, he didn't big time me, he didn't nothing, just, you know, a quick blurp with, with him at his store down there. And, uh, you know, I mean, even going back, I mean, just for me to, my best match for him was like, I'm always going to put the Andre one just because, like I say, it was one of those ones for me where um, having, being able to have some family and friends watch it with me, there's kind of a special, just, piece of it to me uh two was iron cheek three was definitely nwo but it was just you know everything i mean even when he got you know beat up by king kong bundy or earthquake you know i just always remember getting mad going to look you know wanting to get in a fight with the kid at school you know because hulk got beat up you know so um like i say I, I don't know how much to how, you know it was just one of those things for me he'll always be my greatest for me um, it's hard to argue paul you know, and thanks I, so much for the phone call and and think about this too tommy like you know, when you saw Hogan on the cover of Sports Illustrated, like, you know, you never would have imagined that you would see a pro wrestler on the cover of Sports Illustrated, but there was Hogan in 1985 on the cover of Sports Illustrated. 
Yeah, I'm just kind of going back in my head, also thinking about how many WrestleManias he headlined. You know, the first three headlined, four, we all thought he was going to be the main event, but that was the new champion. And, and just when you keep on, like, going through those things in your head, you're like, wow, you know, he, he the old school, like, how many houses did you draw? He drew a lot. And I know, and this will get you angry, where a lot of people were like, uh, and they used to say it back in the day, we're not sports entertainment, we're wrestling, but they really were sports entertainment. And for people to discredit Hulk Hogan as an actual in-ring performer, he was a great wrestler. He was, you go back and watch his stuff, if you're a more educated fan or a wrestler, he got his, when it was time to get his opponent over, he sold like a mofo. And, you know, we still say, time to blow the Hulk Hogan comeback, where it's to blow a comeback, you have to feel it. Uh, you have to feel it deep down from your toes all the way to the top of your head for that emotion to come out. And he did it night after night. And, you know, you, you talk about the bumps and the bruises and the surgeries, but, you know, dropping that leg every night paid its toll on his body or missing it too. But, I mean, he did he overcame every obstacle back in the day for for the wrestling fans. And, and everybody was enamored with this guy. His promos, even though if they were gibberish, they still made you want to see the match, even though you didn't know at times what he's talking about, you know, and, and think of the other figures. He, you know, uh, you know something, Mean Gene? Mean Gene got over because of him, uh, just like as a, as a, a bigger character. It's just, it's an amazing and amazing how it just, Hulkamania truly did spawn the wrestling business. Yeah, and then, you know, you're talking about these moments and his greatest match and his greatest moments. You can you can mention a match from the 80s. You can mention a match from the 90s. And when you talk about moments, you could throw out the moment at WrestleMania 30 when he's in the ring with The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin. I mean, a lot of people say that's one of the best moments in WrestleMania history, and that's Hogan long after his retirement, long after he had wrestled. He's standing in the ring with Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock. I mean, there was a reason why... They decided to put those three figures in the ring at that time at WrestleMania 30. And, you know, whether it's a Mount Rushmore of pro wrestling or just a Mount Rushmore of WWE champions, Hogan name is one that you're going to mention when you talk about both of those things, Tommy. And, and still in tremendous shape. I saw he posted a picture of himself, you know, on his birthday. Uh, and if I'm, what year was him versus Rock in Toronto? What WrestleMania was that? Oh, geez, that is, uh, that's WrestleMania 18, 2002. So that was 18 years ago. All right. So it wasn't that. All right. That's a, that's a while. I mean, it, that's a long time ago. It doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but yeah, it's 18 years ago. All right. So he's, yeah, he's in his late 40s, early 50s. Okay. I mean, still, I was, uh, I was there live. It was a great match. And a moment, Tommy, where people like Vince McMahon thought that, hey, everyone was going to boo Hogan and cheer The Rock, and that's not what happened. I mean, Hogan went out there, and the place went nuts 
for Hulk Hogan and that iconic scene where The Rock is looking to the left and Hogan's looking to the right. They tried to do that again at WrestleMania 28 with Cena and The Rock, but when you're in Miami and The Rock is wrestling in his return at WrestleMania, you're not going to get a split reaction like you did that night at WrestleMania 18. But that was, a lot of people might say that that was the, the biggest moment and the biggest match in Hogan's career. Yeah, it should be on people's list. And do like, you know, with the caller when he's talking about as soon as he said King Kong Bundy, I was like, wow, the steel cage, the blue cage. Yep. And I start thinking, I remember uh, when him and Andre and that that seed was planted when Bundy and Stud took out Andre, broke his sternum. And who's going to come back and start helping Andre is Hulk. And then it led into the whole like betrayal. And I'm like, wow, that was probably done on purpose. Like, yeah. And I'm just realizing this today. Now I'm happy. Yay. They got me. Let's have some Cheerios. And uh, while you're eating your Cheerios, even me remembering, you know, my dad, who was not a wrestling fan in the first event that he took me to the main event was Hogan against Dr. D David Schultz. And I'll never forget my job, my dad jumping up. You know, when Hogan, when I had a tiger hit and Hogan was coming down that entrance ramp, my dad jumping to his feet and cheering for Hogan. And he was not a wrestling fan. Like I had to practically drag him to go to that show and to see him jump up. And it, gave, it gives me goosebumps now thinking about that moment, Hogan against Dr. D. David Schultz. Absolutely. Because, I mean, we talk about this all the time. It's that connection to the business. That's why people listen to this show. It's moments in time where, man, this is the greatest thing I'm ever watching. Hey, everyone. This is Lisa Ann, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, The Lisa Ann Experience. This is my chance to share with you my experiences, past and present, including how I went from living in the fantasy world of adult films to talking fantasy sports on Sirius XM. Each week, I'll introduce you to some of the people I've met on my journey and invite friends on to help me read through the endless ridiculousness that lands in my inbox. New episodes are available every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app and Apple Podcasts. We're talking about Hogan. He celebrated his birthday yesterday, and we're asking the nation, is he the biggest icon in the history of pro wrestling? Also, you know, give us some of your favorite Hogan moments and Hogan matches. Are you ready to get back to the very, very busy phones, Tommy? Hells yeah. All right, let's go out to Jax in Mississippi. Jax, what do you got on Hogan? Hey guys, how's it going? How are you, my friend? Uh, growing up, uh, I just want to tell one thing. I've, uh, I've been on the air several times. I've never been with Tommy. I just want to say thank you for all the memories. I know it's not over yet, but uh, I've watched you, you know, throughout my life, and uh, you brought a lot of smile and your passion and your, and you know, you you are wrestling. And I just want to say thank you so much for all the for all the great times and memories throughout the years. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I really do. Uh, with Hulk Hogan, uh, definitely uh, Rocky Three brought him uh, to the thing. But, you know, it also takes two people to tango like uh, bullying. Everybody says, you know, it, you can't get yourself over. You need help. He had some great, you know, heels to go against Roddy Piper, Randy Macho Man Savage, you know, the Iron Sheik, Andre the Giant. Uh, you know, and that's what I remember, you know, the mega powers and Elizabeth, you know, growing up with all that and stuff and, you know, cheering for him and, and really, you know, getting invested, emotionally invested, and that's what brings you back to wrestling and stuff. And looking back, it's just great memories throughout your life and stuff because you can picture yourself 
you know, when he came out with the music and everything, and the, you know, eat the vitamins, say your prayers. Um, unfortunately, it, it takes sometimes it takes one bad thing to really to mess you up. I agree. Uh, he needs to do more. Uh, he needs to show action, just not words. And I think that will help carry him around. He, he kind of backed off to the point where was he just saying that to, to hopefully for it to go away. But in this day and age, nothing goes away. I wish him nothing but the best. I hope he, he finds some uh, redemption. I uh, still feel like he's got a ways to go. Uh, you know, Vince McMahon, uh, but going back to the wrestling and how he's helped it out, Vince McMahon paid for the ring, but Hulk Hogan built that ring. And, uh, and I think that's why wrestling is what it is today. I mean, I watch AEW, uh, Raw, SmackDown, not too much NXT because I'm really into AEW right now. And, Dave, I hate to say it, but you're facing hard times. Hard times. Every time you see those little three dolls, you're going to have to look at yourself and go, I'm still bad. But other than that, uh, thanks for having my call. And, uh, Dave, I'm just messing with you. Love your show. Could listen to it for years. I listen to it every day. Thank you. Thanks, Jax. I appreciate the phone call and, and, and the kind words to Tommy because, man, when you just said is so true, Tommy is wrestling. He, like, just... You know, for what he does for pro wrestling on this show, what he does for the fans, what he's put his body through. I mean, that's what a professional wrestler is supposed to be like. So I all re- all the respect to you, Tommy, for what you've still continue to do uh, for the world of pro wrestling. And then he mentioned Hogan and, and he's right. You know, actions do speak louder than words and f- time will only tell if that takes place in the life of Hulk Hogan, if he truly does find forgiveness. But when you talk about the moments and, and I'll ask, and Jack said it, you know, he's given us so many moments and for Vince McMahon, you know, would Vince McMahon have been able to achieve that national push? If it wasn't Hogan at the top of the card, Tommy, no dude, I listen and I listen to the callers and then I start thinking my gears start working I'm talking about today's wrestling and we're, you know, I love AEW. So do you. And when this company, that's not even a year old, we watched the match to the gasoline. And then I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, it has made everybody step up. It made before coronavirus, everyone get paid more money, whether just to sit and ride the pine or, you know, get paid more money. So you didn't go other places. Uh, the same thing happened If you look at who was the biggest star to jump from WWE to AEW, when Chris Jericho walked out on that podium, think of the business, how it changed when Hulk Hogan showed up in WCW and then others followed like Hall and Nash, like others followed like uh, John Moxley. There's so many different correlations. And when I'm saying like, you knew this right time, right place, the business needed something to change. I was part of a movement called ECW when the business needed something to change. And then it lit the fire into that whole attitude era. So, and and if you think of all these different generations, like that's why I always say history always repeats itself. It always repeats itself sometimes in a negative way, but it always repeats itself. And we're seriously still in that. It's a different type of Hulkamania cycle. It's like an AEW cycle. I mean, independent wrestling was flourishing for, for, a man in his late 40s knocking on 50 to do 206 shows for the last two years. And the year before that was like 190 something. Yeah. That's how, 
like the business was on fire and it still will be back on fire, but it's just all these correlations and you could go back because, hey, we, we witnessed, you and I witnessed this already. And we went from fans to, for me, performer. And for you, it's like, I mean, you have a full-time job because the wrestling business was so popular. And all that stuff correlates to back how it was back then. Because like you think about it, merchandise, uh, so many things fuel the business. And it always takes that one spark. You look at the Goldberg era, the NWO, all that stuff sparked all these different things. And, you know, people have podcasts about, you know, the 83 weeks. They give podcasts and wrestling, like all that stuff. And you could go back to back then, none of that stuff would have happened if it wasn't for Hulk Hogan. It really wouldn't have because he had that certain it factor. They put the rocket up his butt and it went full blow. You know, and Tommy, you bring up Hogan in in the mid 80s. You bring up Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock in the 90s. I don't know if even if I put Cena up there, you could possibly put John Cena, Ric Flair's another one, Dusty Rhodes. But if you look at pro wrestling right now, and it's not a knock on the business right now because I love the business right now, but it's different. You know, who's the biggest name in AEW? You know, you could say Cody or you could say Jericho. You know, if AEW is going to The Rock in Newark, New Jersey, and Cody's not on the card, could they still sell it out? Is Cody the difference between a sellout and there not being a sellout? Probably not. So, you know, you look at the WWE right now. The, well, who's the biggest superstar in the WWE? I mean, Drew McIntyre's your champion. If Drew Mac, if they're going to Madison Square Garden, is Drew McIntyre the difference between the WWE selling out the garden or not selling out the garden? Uh I, I don't think it is. But you look at those names that I mentioned before. They were the difference. They took it to another level. I, I don't think you have superstars on that caliber in pro wrestling now. It's more about the brand. Like you mentioned, I think ECW was that first, like, they're going to see the brand. ECW is the brand that we want to see. I think it's more branded now, WWE, AEW, than a particular superstar that takes it to another level. Yeah, uh, it's hard to gauge it today due to, uh, you know, fans, because there aren't any fans. But, I mean, hell, you look at Saturday night's main event with the, the evil referee turn. Look at the numbers that that did. Yeah. Uh, all that wrestling got back to like that mainstream because of the numbers it did look at, you know, dude, there's a wrestling show on pretty much every single day of the week now. Uh, and this is also when a time where we consume our wrestling differently, but you know, outside of bad stuff. And when it was all about COVID and all bad stuff, usually what was the only thing that would trend would be wrestling. Uh, it's, it's still super duper popular. Our phone lines are lit on uh, Wednesday morning uh, while people are driving to work or just listening to the car. Why? Because we love professional wrestling, but you have to have that catalyst. AEW became that catalyst. And then look, look how it stepped up for impact wrestling, how it stuck, stood up for um, WWE. Yes, like WWE letting go all those wrestlers, you know what that did? That helped fuel the industry, helped put Impact Wrestling in a better spot, helped put AEW in a better spot. And like you said, yes, it's the brand. I don't know. I think 
when we do get back to normal, when people are going to see wrestling on the card, they're first going to come just like that that tune-in factor. You'll still have people who are afraid to go out or afraid to be next to other people. But once we're all feeling safe, and then it's going to go back to that competitive edge. Well, am I going to go see, spend my money on this, or am I going to go spend my money on that? Uh, it, it's very, very hard to gauge right now. But yes, there is these superstars. Uh, he was a superstar. He was probably the first superstar. Hey, everyone. This is Nicole Auerbach, and I want to invite you inside the Coaches Clubhouse, a brand new podcast from SiriusXM that examines what drives coaches on and off the sidelines. We talk to coaches from all different sports and all walks of life about their passion for the profession, their mentors, philosophies, and stories, and also what they care about when they're outside the spotlight. We'll give you a unique perspective on some of the greats in their profession, from Olympic coaches to Super Bowl champions and everyone in between. New episodes out every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Really happy to have our next guest. First time ever on Busted Open after a big win on AEW Dark. And that is the one and only Sean Spears. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good, Greg. Um, and that's a new nickname for you, by the way, is Greg. I'm, I'm caught in the middle. I'm a little torn because, Why? like you said, the first time ever finally being on Busted Open. I feel like you have had every single other professional wrestler on this planet, both contracted and independent, on this show, except for me. Now, I understand, to be fair, Busted Open is massive. It has a massive outreach. I understand that, so you guys are going to go with what's hot at the time. So I understand me being a little further down the list. But I feel, if I didn't come to your defense, online, on Twitter, when it came to the conversation between you and Cody... I don't think I'd be on this show today, to be well, honest with you. I mean, I, I, I understand, uh, and, and believe me, I appreciate the honesty, and thank you very much for it. But I look at it a completely different way, Sean. Like, we've been building this show for 11 years now. First mm -hmm. time, you know, as I always say, on for one hour, one day a week, and now here we are on six days a week live for three hours. And now we're the number one sports show of all Sirius XM. So... And Tommy, uh, I believe I might have had this conversation with Tommy, but maybe it wasn't with Tommy. I wanted to wait until we were number one before having you on. So because I respect you as much as I do, I wanted to wait until we were number one before having you on the show. See, man, you would fit really well into the behind-the-scenes professional wrestling world. I mean, you would fit in perfectly. There you go trying to schmooze me. You know what? I'm going to fall for it. I'm going to fall for it again <laughs> like I have for nearly 19 years. All right, Greg, we're good. We're on good terms. Tommy, how the hell are you, buddy? What's going on, man? You look fabulous. I like your hair. I like your beard. It looks looking good. I'd like to point out that I dressed up for the occasion, Greg. You see that? Yeah, you look good, man. You really do look good. I mean, I wore uh, the Dave LaGreca t-shirt that you can get on ProWrestlingTees.com. I figured that was good promotion. Again, I usually don't wear my own shirts on the show, but knowing that we were going to get a large listenership and then obviously for the video, a large, a large viewership, this was the time for me to wear my own shirt and get myself over because you were going to be on the show. Well, and you've been, you know, putting yourself over for 11 years on the radio. Anytime you want to get to your guest or Tommy or anybody else, that'd be fantastic. Okay, I'll try. 
Um, let's talk about it because I mentioned a big win on AEW Dark. Just talk about this past, you know, since October, being a part of AEW Dynamite, being a part of AEW. It, I say this every time we have a guest on from AEW, Sean, as far as like people kind of forget that this is a show and an organization that's only been around for less than a year. And the success that you have been able to accomplish again last week, over 900,000 viewers. I mean, and AEW dark being as popular as it is as well. I mean, what's it like being a part of this organization right now? Well, I think what you said, you said something key there is that we're, we're not very old. We're just over a year old, but at the same, in the same token and that conversation, I don't, it almost feels like we've been around longer um, in a very good way, only because when we hit the ground running, we did so in a way that clicked very quickly, very fast. And we were able to kind of captivate an audience that was ready for an alternative, you know, to, to, to WWE. And I think we gave them that and we have the talent to continue to give them that um, in terms of ratings. I'm going to be honest with you. i I could care less about ratings Uh, that deals with tens of millions of dollars. That is a network ownership executive vice president conversation that I'm not required to be a part of. My job is to, whenever I have the opportunity to go into a ring, I put on the best possible in-ring performance that I can with the guy that I'm working with. That is my focus each and every single week. So to a detriment that, that I don't care about ratings, that's on me, but that's just how I feel. Um, you can't control human nature. I can't tell you how many times I've been watching my favorite movie and then I'll remember, oh, my favorite team is playing. So I'll switch back and forth and I'll just bounce. Yeah. It's not because one isn't entertaining or I'm bored of one. It's because I want to watch multiple things at once. Um, human nature is going to be human nature. All I focus on when I'm out there is the in-ring product in itself. But to your point, AEW is new. It's growing fast. It continues to grow and we're going to continue to do so. Um, I've known you forever, and since you burst upon the scene, one thing I was trying to think, and we always talk about, like, who was your favorite growing up? Professional wrestlers? Yes. Um, you know me. I don't care about anything else. <laughs> I should have known better, Tommy. No, Tommy, uh, Tommy was the first person to ever give me a contract ever in my career. So uh, I don't know many people know that, but to you. Um, when I was a kid growing up, I was a massive fan of the ultimate warrior and Bret Hart as good guys, but I always leaned or felt more, um, I guess entertained is the word by the guys like Mr. Perfect, Rick Rude, Rick Martell. Um, those guys, I felt just, there was just something. And of course, you know, the it factor or whatever you want to call it nowadays, you're just drawn to them. And I just thought they were larger than life. Those would be my guys. And you have kind of patterned your style, like after I want—I don't want to say a technical wrestler, but I mean your your fundamentals from the first day I saw you, minus doing those crazy stuff when you used to send me those VCR tapes. But your fundamentals and basics were <laughs> always great. And uh, you, like Dave, have an issue with a top person in AEW, and I'm surprised right off the bat Dave didn't beg for it. But I mean your history. And a lot of people, I don't know if they know this, your history with Cody goes from your first time in OVW, in that mm-hmm. system. And if you can tell the listeners kind of like certain things that you've noticed throughout the years with Cody and why you have such an angst towards him. 
So when we were uh, we were put together an early OVW um, for one reason, essentially, Cody was a brand new, young, up and coming baby face that lacked experience, but was adored by the fan base. Um, I had about four or four and a half years of experience under my belt. So I had the experience, but I was an unknown and no one cared. So it was a perfect pairing because by association, I kind of helped with the experience side of things. And by association, people like me because I was Cody's friend. So the tag team in itself worked. But uh, I remember one day when Dream, Dusty Rhodes, uh, pulled us aside. He was talking to us and he goes, just so you know, Cody is destined to be a single star. This was the middle of our tag team run. And I didn't understand at the time there, but looking back on it now, you know, Dusty, obviously, you you know, you you can't say enough good things about that guy, but he knew exactly where Cody was going to end up, which is where we are today. And now seeing his progress through the years, seeing what he's done and what he's overcome. I mean, the the guy is destined to be a singles star. Um, He's coming to his own. He, he's done all those, all those things that a top guy is required to do. The problem I have with him is that we had the opportunity to, I feel, do something great together when I came over to AEW. And I feel he made one, I don't know if he slipped. I don't know if he did it on purpose. I think that's the problem, the main issue I have. I don't know. But when he said that I'm good hand, I've been hearing that for too long. And, you know. He didn't say sorry, and that's why I still haven't said sorry for swinging a chair. Now, uh, you look at it, it's kind of bringing in Matt Cardona, and I saw you threw a couple of social media jabs at him the same way. Uh, I I could see you being on this path. uh, And and again, man, like, I get it. I loved your story of how you became the perfect 10 because it was like this, here's this talent who is getting great, marks across the board and yet he's riding the pine why is that happening and then you have all that built up frustration you have this new opportunity to show the world how talented you truly are and then you have to deal with setbacks like this i don't know what you can chalk it up to uh i you just said it again you you, and people have been saying my praises for years i've never publicly said it myself Tommy Dreamer just said, I'm very talented. Many other people have said that I'm very talented. I have never publicly until now said that I can say with conviction and confidence, I am pound for pound one of the best performers in the world, and I'm one of the top performers AEW has right now. I check all the boxes. You have a look, in-ring ability, the ability to speak and communicate. I have all that plus experience, plus experience. So, I said it publicly, and I believe that to this very day. Now, to your point, Tommy, why? Why is it happening? Why does it seem like I was riding the pine before? Maybe some people think I'm riding the pine now. Again, I'm going to take it back to, after almost 19 years, I'm going to focus on what I can control. That is the in-ring product. That is the part that I'm in control of. When the bell rings in between the ropes, I'm in charge. No one can touch me. That's my time. No one can touch me. Behind the scenes... I'm not a politicker, man. I can't, I have a very hard time telling somebody they're right when I feel they're wrong. And I have a very hard time telling somebody they're good when I feel they're not. That's just me. I'm not disrespectful or unprofessional about it, but I'll always be honest, which is crazy in the wrestling world. Oh, yeah. And I, 
And I love what you just said because you talked about respect. And, you know, we can get into Cody, and it's funny how everyone loves Cody, but he's disrespectful. But yet, you're extremely respectful. You're respectful to Tully Blanchard. You have the black glove now, which I think is a respect towards a lot of people have worn that in the past. Blackjack Mulligan, Ted DiBiase. Uh, you just talked about, hey, it's not my place to talk about ratings. That's that's somebody else's job. It's not mine. I'm not getting involved. You talked about how you're not disrespectful to somebody where, hey, I feel a certain way about wrestling ability, but it's not my place. I'm too respectful for that. And it almost feels like by being respectful, tell me if I'm wrong, by being respectful, you're almost penalized for showing people in this business respect well first off uh, you are right about Cody he can be quite disrespectful yes especially when it comes to Star Wars and all that other nerd stuff that he talks about on a regular basis the other thing the, the thing that I'm learning lately after 19 years in wrestling you're always learning Tommy can attest to this you're always learning but I have to be careful with confusing respect and being a nice guy. There's a fine line to walk. You've heard that saying a million times, nice guys finish last, right? Mm -hmm. Truth can be the same in professional wrestling. I don't believe in being unprofessional, but I also don't have to say yes every time. I don't have to say sure every time. There's a fine line to walk, and I plan on walking that very finely. Uh, Tonight, they're doing a celebration of Tully and Arn and the rock and roll. Honestly, dude, like, how do you feel like, I mean, Arn is Arn, Tully is Tully. Pretty much Tully is your guy, Arn is Cody's guy, and they're having a nice little celebration tonight. So on that note alone, think about how crazy that is for a moment. I know just you guys being massive fans. In 2020, we are going to have Arn and Tully, Brainbusters, whatever you want to call them, in the ring with the Rock and Roll Express. In 2020, where else in the world would that happen? Nowhere. That as a as a grown man, I'm going to be a child sitting there giddy. I'm going to be like, this is. It's almost like, you know, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. It's freaking me out. Older, like an older generation meeting a newer generation. You're going to have FTR in there. You're going to have the young bucks around. Like it's, it's just it's it's mind blowing to think about. Um, on a personal note, the business side of things. Uh, Tully and I have had our conversations, obviously they've known each other for 30 plus years, their relationship, you know, that well runs much deeper than myself and Tully, but at the same time, we still haven't forgotten what happened at all out last year, almost a year ago. So Arn and I really haven't crossed paths. Uh, I don't know how much Tully and Arn communicate and they're going to be on camera for the first time tonight. I think since then, since all out last year. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what's really going to happen or take place, but I'm going to be watching closely. And of course you can watch that tonight on TNT, AEW dynamite, 8 PM Eastern time. When you look at that and you look at Tully Blanchard, talk about your relationship with Tully Blanchard. Talk about what it's been like the last eight or nine months to be with Tully Blanchard on a regular basis. It's insane. I was actually uh, talking to a friend of mine last night here and uh, Tully was sitting with us and I'm not going to name drop, but I was, Tully was sitting with us. Tully got up and walked away and I looked at him and I go, Tully, Tully Blanchard is my manager. He goes, <laughs> he's like, it's, it, it's, it's still, it still shocks me because, you know, when I left WWE, the, like I couldn't even fathom what was going to happen, let alone being paired with a legend, being paired with a hall of famer, being paired with a guy that to this day 
still teaches me certain psychological aspects of the in-ring product that I would have never thought about. And there's a reason why Tully is who he is. He only had, I think, a 13-year career. I've been wrestling technically six years longer than he has, but wow. his legacy has lasted over 30. That is a testament to his mind. That is a testament to what uh, him and the horsemen, that's what they did. They left a la- you know a lifelong impression uh, on the industry. Um, the first time we hung out, I went to his house. I was in San Antonio for an independent show. I went to his house. We went to the gym. We went out to eat. And I thought like, okay, this is kind of like one of the first times meeting. This is how we're going to hang out. And then from here on end, it'll be just here and there at the shows. No, every time we hang out, we go to the gym, we go to eat after this, I'm going to pick him up, going to the gym and we're going to eat after, and then we're going to the arena. So he still lives that life. He's still very adamant about like staying on top physically and being in the best shape he can. And it's inspiring to me. Guy's got 30 years on me and he is still, I'm like, I can't keep up. I don't deserve to be around. So it's inspiring to me, but it, I mean, it's Tully Blanchard, man. It's awesome. Tully Blanchard. My favorite uh, thing, I was at the pay-per-view with you and I watched Tully go to the corner and he started doing Hindu squats in a suit Yeah, before his match. And I look at him, I do Hindu squats before I go and I go away from everybody because I can't Hindu as much as I like to. But <laughs> when I saw him do that, and I go, you taking bumps tonight? And he's like, I don't know. He's And he's just like, old habits, man, old habits. And I was just like, I loved it. And I'm friends with Tully too. And I was just like, the fact that he was warming up to go out there. And I was like, as soon as he walks through that curtain, it doesn't matter how old he is. He's still Tully Blanchard. And that's what he wants the world to remember. And nothing but respect for him. And, and you're so fortunate to have him like that, you know, cause I had that with Terry Funk. I had that with Dusty Rhodes in my career where guys would literally just come and talk to you uh, and, and be at your side. And whenever you needed them or just show you a little different thing to help you improve yourself, you're truly blessed to have someone like that. I mean, I was talking with him about Tessa as well and just different little things uh, and his mind is so in tune with the business. It is. It's, it truly is amazing. Mm-hmm. Agreed on all fronts. Sean, let's get into the black glove. You have the black glove now. You've been making an impression. I love it because it really does harken back to a different era. Like I mentioned, Blackjack Mulligan, Ted DiBiase. Why the change? Why the using of the black glove? Well, I think after what happened at Double or Nothing, I think we had hit a, uh, a the lowest point that we could possibly hit. Tully hadn't been around in a couple months due to the whole pandemic. So, you know, travel, he was, I was kind of on my own and I was having a lot of fun, too much fun to the point where I wasn't really dilated in, so to speak. I wasn't focusing on uh, the end goals that we had talked about when we first paired up. So when he kind of came back, he saw what happened at Double or Nothing against Dustin uh, that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. I kind of needed a stern fatherly figure talking to, um, and he made sense. He made a hundred percent sense. Um, but he also felt there was something missing. So, uh, the in-ring ability was there. Like I said, the ability to speak, communicate, all that jazz was there. He just felt there was something missing, something that needed to stand out 
amongst a sea of professional wrestlers. In AEW, there's a lot of great talent. There's not a lot of landscape. So everybody is fighting for space, so to speak. Um, we're not going to oversaturate a show with, you know, 15 different angles that people are having a very hard time keeping a track, like keeping track of, you know, we're going to tell stories as best we possibly can. So that means that some talent, you're going to have to wait your turn if your turn comes. So the black glove was introduced obviously as a throwback. Like you said, Mulligan Ward, Wyndham Ward, DiBiase Ward. Like I'm glad you said that because now people that aren't familiar with it, Google, go back and watch the history of the black glove. There's a reason that it's been brought back by a horseman of all people. It's brought back for a reason. And the challenge in 2020 for me is to get something that is 50, 60 years old and bring that to prominence or at least bring it to the forefront once again with very little t- television time. Um, normally when someone is, um, I don't want to say saddle, but when you're, you're given something to, to get over or at least attempt to get over, usually there's some good backing behind it. All right, well, there's video packages and there's vignettes and there's television time and all that kind of stuff. There hasn't been a lot of that with the introduction of the black glove, which is a challenge that I enjoy. So now I have to find ways in a digital world of social media and all these other ways to collectively get information out there. I have a way to reintroduce something that has rich lineage and hopefully people can kind of get behind it. Hopefully. And Dave also as a competitor, and I know Sean knows this and and the commentators would put it over too. It's also it keeps your opponent thinking about that one hand, which then could take their mind off because Sean is such a a great wrestler. You're concentrating on his hand. He may just go after your leg because you're looking to go after the arm. So he grabs the leg and it's that, that old school mentality and old school never die. Also think you should get a t-shirt like the old Andre shirt with just the big red hand. You should get the black. (laughs) (laughs) It'll it'll be nice and fingerless. Just you have two or four, four or five white fingers sticking up. So like you said, old school works, right? And having Tully with me, he's brought me back to that old school way of thinking. We have some guys that could do some incredible stuff. I could springboard. I could do flips and do all that kind of stuff too, but I'm not going to be able to do it any better than a matter Nick Jackson. I'm not going to be able to do it any better than a Pac. It's just, or I could slow things down. I can catch cameras. I can make facial expressions. I could tell a story with a simple little movement. I can, I can try and make a movie. I can try and make a six minute movie as best as I possibly can to make things crystal clear to an audience. That's the route I go. And one thing that always sticks in my mind and Tully's actually said it to me recently too, was something Randy Borden told me. He goes, you can have five or six years of making fantastic money and have a broken body and be done with the business, or you can make great money for 15 to 20 to 25 years in this business. Longevity is a beautiful thing. And a lot of young talent don't think about that. I never thought about it until probably my mid thirties, but it's more paramount than ever. So going back to an old school style of wrestling, I can still be aggressive. I can still be vicious. I can still be explosive when need be, but I could also catch cameras. I could also tell stories. There's a big difference in being a professional wrestler and being a television star wrestler. You know, talking here with Sean Spears, again, AEW Dynamite, 8 p.m. Eastern time on TNT. Sean, you mentioned that you've mentioned me a few times on social media. I hate doing this. Tommy knows I never bring this up on the air. 
But since you're talking here and we're on together, and I'm a big fan of AEW. Obviously, I watch every single Wednesday. We have a ton of AEW guests. AEW has been very, very good to us. Oh, I'm well aware you have a ton of AEW guests. Oh, I'm well aware. And and you being one of them, of course, again, waiting until, you know, we hit that number one mark to make sure that you came on the show to get the recognition that you deserve. But, John, I do need your help with this. And, and, and again, I say how much I love AEW and Cody getting upset because I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan. I don't like Lord of the Rings. You know, I'm more of a police academy guy and him banning me from AEW and doing it in a way. Sean, it's not like, hey, Dave, you know what? You don't appreciate Star Wars. That's your own opinion. But, you know, cursing me out on my own show, disrespecting this show. He thought I was just hired by Sirius XM to host the show when I actually founded and created this show, the ultimate sign of disrespect, Sean, like, and then I get banned. And then we have, you know, we have, we have Brandy on who is great to come on our show. She tells me, Hey, to get unbanned, you know, go out and buy three of my figures from three different Walmarts, take pictures of them and then tweet at me with that. You have them and I'll lift the ban. And then I go, I go out and, you know, trying to be a team player here. Uh, I go out and I buy the three. I I go out and I buy the three Brandy Rhodes figures. And what happens? She deactivates her account. So I go to take the picture and I can't tweet at her because she's deactivated her account. Can't get the band lifted. We have Tony Khan on great job with AEW. I, I, I appreciate everything he's done in the world of the NFL and the world of professional wrestling. I ask him to get the band lifted and he goes, wait, wait, you're of course you I'll, I'll lift the band. Who banned you? Coach? Oh, uh, now better yet that you stay banned. Like, sure, what do I need to do here to get this band lifted? Like, I, okay, I retract my previous statement saying you do very well backstage behind the scenes of professional wrestling. I have never heard of somebody getting more worked than I have just heard right now. You legit went out and bought three action figures? You went and hunted for them? Do you? Oh, let me ask you a question. Yeah, okay. Greg. Do you think Brandy and Cody really need the money? No, you got worked. Listen, for me personally, I remember some police academy. The, the uh, Star Wars, I, I don't watch Star. Wars. I have yeah. no idea. I you have a I life. Saw one when I was a kid. You have a life. Yeah. They 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 they've gone. There's so there's so many of them. I'm not even gonna get started. Lord of the Rings. I have seen the trilogy. It's pretty cool. It's not too bad actually. Even for someone who doesn't read comic books or other books or anything like that, it was pretty good to follow along. Now. Here's the thing with Cody. Cody is in a pretty powerful position, okay? Is he more powerful than Tony Khan? Come on. Are they close and are they friends? Yes. It just sounds like, Greg, that you need a friend. Now, you've had Cody on your show on multiple occasions in kind of a short amount of time. So there's part of me that likes to believe that you enjoy this attention from Cody. In any way, shape, or form, you like to either be berated or you at least like to hear your name come out of his mouth. I'm not judging you. I don't do that to anybody. But what I'm saying is it sounds like you need a friend and I might be able to be that friend for you. Just saying. Oh, okay. Just saying going forward. When I do have those action figures, buy three of those. All right. Instead of wearing a LaGreca shirt, a Grex shirt, maybe wear a chairman shirt, maybe wear a spear shirt. Hell, I'd settle. I'll settle for a Tommy Dreamer shirt if you wear one of those. I have in the past. Oh, play, actually. play to your audience, Greg. Play to your audience. 
Well, it's good to have you as a friend. I appreciate that. It's also good to have you on for the very first time right here on Busted Open. What? 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 Why are you? Why are you looking at your wrist? You know what? There's no watch there, but that's that. That's what I'm saying. It's about damn time. I don't know how much time we have, but I was listening earlier, and I, uh, I just completely jumping off topic here. But we were talking about the Mount Rushmore of wrestling. Very, very interesting topic. Very interesting topic. So I enjoyed everybody's kind of point of view on that. Thought that was right. very good. So what's yours? I, there, there's no right answer for that. Only because in the world of professional wrestling, Tommy, you might have a different opinion. This is just my opinion. There's different categories that make certain people great. Like if like they someone talked about generations, yes. Luthez was phenomenal for his generation. Gorgeous George, one of the most innovative, flamboyant sports entertainers to bring it onto the scene. How come he's not there? We talk. There, I think there's a round much rush more for every category. Who's the best talker? Who's the best in-ring performer? Who drew the most money? Who's the most technical wrestler? There's so many categories. You can't put four on one mountain and say, these are your best. How come Undertaker's never talked about in that conversation? Are you, are you crazy? One of the greatest characters and longevity of all time, but you don't hear his name a lot. That guy drew so much money. He's worked with everybody. Anyways, I just feel there's a lot of categories. All right. No right or wrong answer. So forget about like the Mount Rushmore. It's such a generic topic, but let me ask you this for you, for you and your career, for you as being a fan of professional wrestling, give me your four most influential wrestlers for you. Who influenced oh. you in your career? Give me four. Oh, man. I would say on my route, Mount Rushmore, I got to put Bret Hart. Uh, I got to put, um, yeah, Hogan's got to be on there. Okay. Rock. Probably, probably. Uh, it's so weird. It, it, it's what's that? It's so hard to do. I get it. It's it's impossible to do, but like, and it's weird now because I would put someone currently on that Mount Rushmore. Like, it's it, just because now in it for so long, I can appreciate how they have kind of done things over a certain period of time, and then when I watch them, they still do. I'm like, damn. Like, I think Randy Orton is one of the greatest of all time. I think wow. Edge is one of the greats. Like, it's just it's so hard to do. It's, it's difficult to do. It's difficult to do. Example, me asking for four and you giving five. So I guess it is difficult to do. Sean, thank you so you much. For, you ten? No, I, I, no, no. You know what? I, I, I so much prefer the glove than the 10. I'm, I'm a much bigger fan of the glove. Sean, thank you so much again. You know, go back and watch your match from AEW Dark from last night. You can catch that on YouTube. And, of course, AEW Dynamite tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, live on TNT. Sean, I know this was the first time, but I hope it won't be the last time. Thank you so much for the time today. Let's talk after all out September 5th. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.